This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you? And how's your bracket looking for the couple days until the NCAA tournament begins? Um, let's pull up. I, I think I have Duke cutting down. Bold. Speak, but like, that, is it bold? <laughs> no. Is it? I, just matchup by matchup. Who can take down Zion? Here's a hot take. I could guard Zion one-on-one. I've got a, a high basketball <clears throat> IQ, coach's son, scrappy. Are you grit? Uh, yeah, La, uh, first yep. in, last I'm out. I'm Jim Rat. All right, so <laughs> I think <laughs> I think I definitely compete in that matchup. Who who do I have? I have oh Duke UVA. I gave it to UVA. I was like, you know what? At some point, See, they're due, which is the worst argument for anything. No, but they're due. Okay, so here's my yeah. hot take. And, like, this is a hot take that I get a lot of pushback from UVA fans. If Tony Bennett has another for early exit before, I'd say before the Elite Eight, I think you start questioning his job security. No way. He's there forever. But he's – what has he done? In he hasn't done much. He got into the Elite Eight recently. Once. And they were Once close. in his time. I know, but I mean, they're like, what are they, 29 and 3 or something insane? Oh, yeah, they're a fantastic team. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, 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 but here's like, they're an amazing regular season team. I just Fair. feel like to beat UVA in the tournament style they have, I guess this is true for any team, I guess. But to beat UVA, all it takes is a UMBC to have a fantastic shooting night and UVA just to miss some of their shots and all of a sudden things – because UVA is so predicated on defense and not right. offense. I know it's kind of different this year with some of their – they what, Jerome and 
guy yeah. or salt, one of them, yeah. have uh, lead the nation in three-point shooting, I think. But, like, I don't know. Nah, that's my hot take of the day. Yeah, they've got a pretty good – they're at least efficient offensively this year. But, yeah, I mean, they do – they play sort of that slower style, which is certainly riskier because if you do get down late in a game and you're kind of limiting possessions, it can kind of screw you. But, I mean, I, I like the the side of the region or whatever they have because it's like every team in there plays this – or at least for the most part – plays that same slow style. They're just worse yeah. at it. So <laughs> that's why I kind of feel like this could be the year. But I, no, I think there's definitely some questions if they don't get, you know, a final four appearance this year with a pretty winnable or at least elite eight. I know Tennessee, some, I've heard some people say that Tennessee's great and they love yeah, them. Yeah, Tennessee's pretty good. How do you feel about three ACC one seeds and one mid-major? I love it. I love the three ACC. You watch oh, Duke yeah. and UNC play and then UVA. I feel like those are you know, the three best teams in college basketball. So I'm happy they weren't kind of worried about the conference alignment. Yeah, I agree. But my bracket was busted because already I had, you had, I had Prairie View A&M winning it all. But the, the good news is no one makes <laughs> you submit these until Thursday. So I've changed it fairly Dickinson. What I saw from them today to be able to beat Prairie View leads me to believe they will win the national championship. And I don't have much in terms of statistics, and I watched the game today, and I still don't know any of their players. But they have heart, and they have they, – they all play basketball. Everyone on their team is familiar with the game, the rules, that sort of thing. So, yeah, don't be surprised if Fairleigh Dickinson cuts down the Nets in early April. That's yeah, don't be surprised if they take down Gonzaga in that first round. Yeah, Gonzaga, as we all know, is overrated. And, um, yeah. I wrote a breeze piece, a double take with Matt Wyrick once, and I said that Gonzaga was overrated. And it's somehow like people in Spokane like found the piece, and they were commenting, and they're like, "Who's the breeze? And who's this moron saying that Gonzaga is bad?" And I was like, "They find you, man. It was they weird. You. Gonzaga fans, they're legit." Yeah, same with Minnesota Vikings fans. Let me tell you. Oh, they roasted you for one, right? Yeah, I wrote a piece <laughs> the year they. I think they had Sam Bradford and they started 4-0 and I said, all right, guys, they're going to miss the playoffs. And they did. And they did. Yeah. But Vikings fans <laughs> were pissed at me. Same thing. What's the breeze? Uh, you clearly don't know because of this statistic. I was like, okay, That's... sure. That was amazing. All right. Bringing things back. I think last time we talked about, it was like right before Jeff Bourne released a statement saying that Lewis Rowe was staying. Yep. Um, so I feel like we should at least mentioned that Lewis Rowe is staying for Jamie men's basketball. Do you have any major thoughts on that? I, I'm not surprised, but I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I think next year, I think that the tone of it was kind of like next year is going to be big for him. Yeah. Like if there's another year like this, it starts, I think his seat of flame. I think there's question marks surrounding him, and I think Jeff Bourne did all that he could to, like, put some confidence back in his coach. But at the same time, you know Bourne is thinking if Rowe has another bad season, you're going to have to start looking elsewhere. Definitely, yeah, I'd agree with that. And I thought the the statement, I thought it was good he released it, but I thought some parts of it were kind of weird. And he had an interview with Dave Thomas where he mentioned that the program's goal is to win a CA title once every four years. And I thought that was an extremely odd and like weird goal. Cause you look at every other athletic program, they're contending for CA t- titles pretty much on an annual basis. So I thought that 
to have one of your most important programs and to say, yeah, I mean, we'll just try to do it once every four years, which they haven't even been able to do. Yeah, I was about to say, they, so they haven't really lived up to that. It's like a lame expectation that they haven't even met. So I thought that was something that was weird. And I think that should and probably will change kind of moving forward in the next maybe like three to five to 10 years as the new arena is there. I think that there comes a point when they're going to have better resources and better players than every team in the conference. And when that happens, you have to contend to win the conference. Yeah, I think. I mean, when he said that, I don't know. Did he mean regular season or did he mean like the tournament? He was. I think he might have meant the tournament. So maybe that makes more sense. Because I can understand winning the tournament every four years because mm-hmm. it is hard to do consistently. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like I feel like as a regular season title, we should be competing for that every single year. I, even now, like I think we should compete for the first or second spot in the CAA right. next season with this with this roster but yeah i feel like we've beaten that drum to death definitely (laughs) all right moving on we've got a lot of good conversation lacrosse softball baseball have all been playing phenomenally well so we'll start with lacrosse then we'll get to sort of the wnit preview stuff toward the end but lacrosse they're seven and one they've won seven in a row after that season opening loss to unc and they've got a huge week coming this week uva who's a top 10 team i believe on wednesday so I guess today, if you're listening to the podcast, and then Maryland on Sunday, and Maryland is 8-0. I know they play – I think they'll play one game before uh, they meet JMU on Sunday, so that record could change but or it will change. Um, but both teams really good. Both teams are kind of considered national title contenders. So it's sort of a huge week and measuring stick for JMU lacrosse. What do you sort of expect from them, and do you think they'll, they'll win either of these or both these? What do you expect? So this is – I I think it's kind of been dubbed the gauntlet of their university. Yeah. uh, Gauntlet of their schedule. Yeah. I don't know why I said university. (laughs) Penn State, Rutgers, Temple, UVA, Maryland, like tough, 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 tough. Yeah. I think the way they've played as of late, I think they can win both of them, and I want them to win both of them. But the realist in me, I think they go one and one in these games. I think they beat Virginia, lose to Maryland. But the fact that the Maryland game is home, I think, plays a big part. And I think they can pull the upset on that. I mean, barely an upset, but the quote-unquote upset on that one. And I wouldn't be too surprised. But at the same time, it was the 18-7 to loss against UNC, who at the time was number two. Right. And now Maryland's number two. And it's the same talent. They have grown because now they're eight games into the season. But I think that Maryland game is going to be a big-time measuring stick, if anything, because if they can go in and have a solid outing and still put up a – still lose but have a good outing, I think you feel more comfortable with the team. Definitely, I'd agree with that. And both teams really good, like you mentioned. And also really cool that these games are televised. So it's yeah. – I think the UVA one is NBC Sports Washington Plus and NBC Sports Philadelphia Plus, and then the Maryland game is NBC Sports Washington, the normal channel with NBC – Sports Philadelphia Plus. So kind of rare, I think, at least from what I've heard of, to have women's lacrosse games televised. A huge deal for JMU and two big-time matchups. And like you said, I mean, it's a good measuring stick. It's it's tough. And I think that the Virginia one's definitely a little bit more winnable on Wednesday night and then the Sunday afternoon. I know it's some celebration. I can't remember what it was. But there are expected to be a lot of, like, JMU lacrosse alumni there at some, like, program celebration. I can't remember if it's an anniversary or what it is, but should be a lot of people there. 
so that'll be sort of the atmosphere like you mentioned should help at least a little bit yeah i it's going to be an interesting little little area if they lose to uva i'm going to be a little bit stunned i think they should be able to pull that one off but hopefully they can take home the maryland one i i i I don't know too much about Maryland and how they play. Right. I really can't talk too much on it without being ignorant of it. So all I can really say is that Maryland's a two seed. They're a two seed for a reason. James used the six seed. So not too huge of a gap between them, but going to be a tough test for James, nonetheless. Yeah, no doubt. All three top 10 teams. So it's good lacrosse. Should be interesting if you are in Harrisonburg. Definitely worth taking a look at those games. I guess we can get into the, those more once the actual results come in. And those, I think, sort of everyone would agree, those are the two hardest games left on the schedule. So the rest of the way, everything's a lot more winnable. So even if they do drop both of them, they could still finish the regular season with just three losses. And depending on how they I, – I don't really – I mean, how far down do you drop out of the top 25? Right. I think if they even lose these two games and possibly even drop a game in CAA play, maybe even two, they're still going to get a – even if then they don't win, this is a lot of ifs, and it might get confusing. And then even if they don't win the CAA, because I assume they do the tournament that way, the same way, where you can get like an at-large. I believe so. Like I think even with dropping these two and then possibly dropping a game and then losing in the CAA tournament, they'll still get an at-large bid. Yeah, and I if think anyone's they're... listening, correct us if we're wrong on that. Yeah, I think they're definitely basically locked in. It's gonna be pretty hard for them. I think that. A good amount of teams get in, even if you aren't ranked. So I think they'll be fine in that yeah. regard, especially with, aside from like Towson, the CAA is not great at, at lacrosse. And I think that's something that across the board, I mean, there are so many sports where it feels like JMU is a mismatch in the conference, other than I, maybe like one other team. Yeah. I mean, lacrosse, they're far and away better. Softball, they're far and away better. Football, the field kind of caught up with them, but yeah. I would still say they're far and away better right and they stole elon's coach yeah but knock your set like the second best team knocked them down a ways i i can't even basketball they're not close women's basketball despite what happened in the ca tournament which we'll get to later yeah i really think women's basketball is far and away better evidenced by their one loss in ca play agreed and just going down the list soccer they're so good soccer mm-hmm. both soccers are so good I don't know if this is a little segue into possibly moving uh, divisions. I saw your tweet earlier today. Yes. Jeez, they're so much better, it seems like. Yeah, it seems like there has been a little bit of AAC talk recently, and the AAC just got this really solid television deal with ESPN. I think that Jamie fans at least are excited about the possibility, which seems to sort of just be like a fantasy that's been created by Jamie fans, but the possibility, I guess in quotes, of eventually moving to the AAC. So. I mean, we'll see what happens in the long term. But it does seem like just across the board that it's there are times where the conference is sort of holding JMU back because you look at softball, which we'll get into here, I guess right now. They're 15-5 15, 15 overall. They've got a pretty good schedule. I think they're 23rd in the RPI. But the rest of the way, they're going to have like one – got two games with Virginia Tech, which might be their only ranked opponent in the last 30 games. So, I mean, they're going to struggle to get a top eight seed. They might be able to get a top 16 seed. I think that's realistic. Um, but there's, I mean, it kind of hurts them to play the CAA schedule because there's a chance they go undefeated against it. But none of the wins are really quality wins. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. 
I don't know what your thoughts are on like how that hurts softball or, or what that does there, just the team in general, but it, it does seem like the conference in certain regards drags teams down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we, we'll probably get into this when we get to JMU hoops too. Yeah. But yeah, with softball, I mean, you look at it and you, you really can't name a, a solid mid-major program that's in the CAA outside of JMU. And JMU's an, a nationally ranked team. Right. But like the SEC, they're going up against hard opponents yep. in their tournament, in their uh, conference play, other ranked teams. The only time JMU is seeing a ranked team the, was the last time they're even going to see one, period, was March 7th when they faced the 16-seeded Arizona State. And they're not going to face another quote-unquote tough opponent again. I mean, Hofstra might be somewhat tough, but they're a okay CAA team that just had a good run in the tournament last year. Like, you could – yeah, you could argue that since none of their wins are going to be quality wins when they get into conference play, you could argue that they're just going to almost throw out their conference record and be like, well, what they do against ranked teams? What do they do in their non-con schedule? Exactly. I mean, you look at just across the board, so many of these teams have, have struggled and haven't really done what they need to do. I mean, pretty much aside from it looks like Elon's five games above 500 and you got UNCW's five games above 500. And other than that, pretty much everybody's right around 500 in the CAA for softball. Elon James up, 10 games above 500. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's not really close between anyone. And that's sort of what's difficult because you look at, kind of wanting to compete on a national level because JMU has the players clearly to compete on the national level. And they have to rely on this, like, I think it's an early April, mid-April road series with Virginia Tech, just two games that are going to be huge for building the overall resume. And you have to sort of hope that Virginia Tech, who's like right on the precipice of being ranked, you have to hope that they become ranked by this time to like help them out. I mean, it's just crazy when you have to rely on like two random non-conference middle season games to build your resume just because there, there's no chance for a quality win in conference play. Yeah, and then if you do happen to slip up in conference and right. have a loss here or there, the conference play for JMU and, and really other teams like we were talking about earlier, JMU mm-hmm. is so much better. But conference play can't hurt you, can't help you. Right. But it can severely hurt you. Like if JMU – Say they just happen to lose a series, like they have a bad day in one of these double headers, and they drop two of the double headers. The committee then and the nation looks at that and they're like, "I don't know about this team. They lost two games against CAA opponents. Like, <laughs> right. I don't know about that." And then all of a sudden they go from, I don't even. I think they're ranked twentieth or low teens now. Yeah, and then they drop to twenty fifth, or they could even drop out of the rankings after a one weekend where they possibly lose a series like but them winning those series hardly do anything them going 3-0 in a weekend won't move them up the, right the rankings the only way they move up is when the teams above them lose right i mean they've won i think their last five games and i don't remember the math on this right but they've won their last five games all have been five inning mercy yep. roll wins and these are non-conference but the the end of the non-conference schedule isn't very good for jmu and they've won these games like sixty-six to seven combined. Fifty-four I mean, to four. Is that what it is? Fifty-four to four. In there, well, then they is that last four or five? Then you go. That's the last four. The Jamie invitation. Then you add in Lehigh. They beat them twelve to three. So sixty-six 
and seven. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. <laughs> like, they're just, like, it's stupid. So they're killing these teams, and it doesn't do anything. Like, it's not preparing them for NCAA tournament teams. I know these are non-conference, but it's like they're just getting wins that, that are, like, incrementally helping them. And then you look at the top 15, which is loaded with power fives. And obviously, the top 16 teams get seeds. If you're a top 16 seed, you host a regional, which gives you a much better chance of eventually getting to a super regional and potentially the college world series. It's just the stack is almost, or the deck is almost stacked against JMU because of the two really heartbreaking losses to Arizona and Arizona state. Those could come back early March losses could come back to haunt JMU in May just because they don't have good conference opportunities. Yeah. And this team can be, it will be completely different. They play their right. last game May 4th. I think that's the day I graduate, fun fact. And games from March 7th and March 3rd are going right. to be biting them in the butt. Like, it's, it's absolutely crazy. But the, the plus side about this five-game run they're on, it's really showing that they're, they have a elite offense. I don't care who they're doing it against, what pitching staff they're doing it against. It seems like their offensive bats are clicking because I don't care who it is. If you put up 15 runs in back-to-back games – that's pretty darn impressive. Yeah, and they're doing it, you know, in these short and mercy roll games. So it's yeah, five, five innings. innings. So they're scoring about three runs an inning, which is really impressive. And Well, they're not even playing the bottom of the fifth. Right, right. So I guess four innings because, yeah, because those were all home games. So it's even even more impressive with what they're doing in these games. And Sarah Jubis is leading the country in batting average at like 558 or something. Really dumb. Just <laughs> unreal. I mean, they're they're playing at a really high level offensively, which is good because obviously Alexander and Megan Good are two solid pitchers and Peyton Burrish has done a good job sort of in relief in her limited action. So, I mean, it's a, it's a pitching staff that we sort of know can be good. And now that the hitting's doing well, it's a team that I think does have legitimate, you know, Women's College World Series potential. Yeah, It's just a matter of, of where they get seated based on what's going to be a pretty easy final 30 games. Yeah, I think a loss, they drop down a lot, and wins can only maintain where they are. Right. But Sarah, Sarah Jubis, batting 558, like you said, absolutely absurd, an 837 slugging percentage, and an on base percentage. Are you ready for this? Bring it. 620. Wow. She's getting on base quite a bit. And Logan Newton, who played um, yeah. all four games this weekend. She now has an on-base percentage of 619 and a batting average of 556. Wow. I mean, they're, they've got some players that are really doing a good job, especially with how young they are. And that's, oh, that's yeah. really good to see for the future of the program as well. So crazy, crazy stats from some of these offensive players. And Logan Newton, I believe, is the sister of Taylor Newton, who played at JMU as well. Yes. So they're they're doing a good job, sort of like football does, where football seems to have like eight sibling pairs. Yeah. And maybe softball can take a page out of that, that playbook. But no, one, I mean it's it's good to see him playing so well. Yeah. One more crazy stat about Sarah Jubis. Forty three at bats. I want you to take a guess at how many strikeouts she has. Oh. Three. Zero. Wow. That ends that one. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I was just looking through the stats and zero strikeouts. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's okay from your leadoff hitter, zero strikeouts and a 558 batting average. Don't and take the 620 it. on base percentage. <laughs> right. Just to compare, do you know how, uh, how many strikeouts Megan Good has? She's striking out a lot, isn't she? She's at like, is she over 10? She's, yeah, she's uh, nearing 20. Is she 18? 17. That's nuts. Leads the team by two. Kirsten Roadcap has 15. And she's still batting over 300 with 18 strikeouts, right? 330. It's either, well, from what I could see from her, yeah. I was there for Friday and Saturday games. Megan's either going to strike out or she's going to get an extra base hit. Yeah, she's got like nine home runs and 17 strikeouts. So I guess she's taking big cuts. She hit a grand slam, and I've never heard Veterans Memorial Park that loud. They love her so much, and even more after the injury, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, just their load. I think she she and Kate Gordon both have nine homers. (laughs) This team has power. I don't think I've seen a team. I don't think I've seen a JMU team with this much power since they went to the Super Regionals. Yeah, that's what I was – I mentioned that in the newsletter. I think this is probably the, the best team pitching in offense since that 2016 team that was, I think they had the bases loaded down one, if I remember correctly, Yeah, with a chance to advance to the Super Regionals against, or sorry, the Women's College World Series against LSU. And they, they ended up falling just short. But I mean, this is, they seriously have that kind of talent where this could be, you know, a historic season for Jamie softball. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it, how it finishes for him, or at least how conference, not even right. finish, how conference is going to go. Because you said something on, I think, your personal Twitter, how you wouldn't be surprised if they won out. Yeah, I was, I was saying they're on a seven-game win streak now, and they have 30 games left in the regular season. I would not be stunned if they won all 30. <laughs> now, I think the, the road series of Virginia Tech is going to be hard because it's a doubleheader, too, which is a little tricky. But, I mean, if they can get through that, I can't imagine any of the conference teams really giving them much of a scare, and they've got – you know, a game against UVA, a couple games against Duke, but I think those are both at home. Liberty's at home, but nothing crazy. I think that there's a legitimate chance that they could win 37 in a row to end the season, which seems crazy, but I think a couple years ago they won 36 in a row. So it's like, you know, wouldn't be completely uncharted territory. Casual, just a casual 36-win game. <laughs> so insane. Well, going across the sidewalk – to Eagle yes. Field baseball to start the season, we had the bold saying of if they can steal one game against <laughs> the combined six games against Louisville and Cal State Fullerton, we would feel really, really, really good about this non conference slate. Well, they won up to us. They did. That was wild. They sold two of three. From Cal State Fullerton, they became the first team <laughs> ever to shut out Cal State Fullerton at home. So, you know, at Cal State Fullerton in consecutive games. That's that's absolutely crazy. But the pitching staff did what we say this pitching staff can do. I mean, some absolute fire being dealt from that mound. Yeah. Kevin Kelly's sort of living up to expectations and then some. Yeah. And, and everyone seems to be stepping up. Bullpen's been really Nick good. Robertson is scary. Yeah. He's a big dude, too. I mean, he yeah. can throw some heat, and he's got some size to him. Yeah. I mean, they're really just impressive all around. I think he got – yeah, he got the save today, so he has six saves. They beat Fairfield recording this on Tuesday night, and they'll play Fairfield again Wednesday. Um, those are teams that are that are beatable, and they've got Delaware coming to town this weekend. Delaware, from what I saw record-wise, is pretty bad. Yeah, they. I saw what they're like four and sixteen now. Yeah, 
I think at one point they were one in 16 and even another point, I think they were like, Oh, and 10. Yep. So that's a series at home that you think you should win. So here's my question to you. Is this another Marlon Eikenberry, Jamie baseball fast start or is, <laughs> is this different? Is this team, is there something else with this team? Are they going to be able to get over 30 wins? Are they going to be able to contend for a title? What's the deal with this team? So this team feels a lot like the teams of past of <laughs> quick starts and fill yeah. out in conference play because I, two seasons ago, they beat Coastal right. early on in the season. And everyone praised that win because we didn't realize that Coastal was going to have one of the worst seasons of program history that year. Right. But all we could focus on was that they beat the defending national champions. Right. And it kind of feels that way with this Coastal team. They started the year at 25, but they've slid backwards real quick. Like, they haven't had a solid season. Yeah, it's impressive that they they shut them out for the first time in back-to-back games at Cal State Fullerton. But they're 8-9 and overall this season, really sliding back, not as as good as we thought they were. So kind of take that with a grain of salt. But all of that being said, I think this is a pitching staff that Eikenberry's never had before. So I think that you're going to finish mid-pack for – Three, third or fourth in CAA is my is going to be my statement. I like that. That makes sense, and that's such a good point about the pitching staff because that's sort of what's held them back in recent years. It's just the pitchers haven't really been there, and the lineup's normally pretty solid. And this year, it's sort of a young lineup that's still kind of finding itself, um, and they're they're struggling a little bit with that. They, yeah. you know, they scored one in the first win against Cal State Fullerton, two in the second one. They lost twelve to three in the third game. They scored just four runs against Fairfield. So they're three and one in their last four games, but their run differential is negative, which is interesting. So yeah, they're playing interestingly. The offense does need to get a little bit better, but it is so young, good pitching staff. I, I want to say it's a different team, I'm, but it's so hard to tell until they play the better CAA teams. And we're not really going to learn that from Delaware, but I do think the 30 win threshold, I mean, they're 15 already. They're close to hitting 20. If they can get through Fairfield and then Delaware, you would think that they could muster out 10 the rest of the way, right? I I want to think they can, and I want to think this team's different. But like you said, this lineup kind of scares me. Like, right. Trey Dabney is amazing, mm-hmm. and they've shown flashes of being really good. But they've also shown flashes of – I just think it's wild that at Cal State Fullerton, they won the series but was outscored 12-6. to six. Right. And, like – against a Lehigh team, you had to go to extra innings to beat them, and Lehigh had to go to extras to beat D3 Lynchburg. Right. Um, high point, you really – one of the games, yeah, you took that series, but you kind of struggled there. I feel like against the, ta- the teams they're facing, they should be putting up a lot more runs than they are, and – it just scares me with this lineup. And, yeah, they're young, so their bats should get going. I just want to see their bats. I want to see their bats get going for me to be fully sold on this team. Pitching staff, I give an A+. plus. Right now, lineup, I give probably a B-. minus. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to come down to if they can get hits because, you know, they're obviously able to pitch at a really high level. And, I don't know, it's interesting. So we'll see if they can actually 
you know, make a run and finish the season strong or if it's going to be another flame out. I don't think they'll maintain maybe the same pace or same level of excitement. I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose a, a few series sort of along the way against some of the better CAA teams. But, you know, I also think against teams like Delaware, they can potentially get a sweep out of that and, and compete in some other games. We'll see how it goes, but I totally agree that, yeah, there's there's got to be some fear if you're a JMU fan with this lineup. And we'll have to have Nick Stevens, our JMU baseball contributor, on at some point to give us yeah. his take because he was, I think he was at Without the game today it. too. Yeah, I mean, they started things hot in the game today, and Trey Dabney looked to have another solid game. Yeah. Dabney's going to be a stud. Mm-hmm. And, like, this lineup's going to be great. There's yep. a bunch of freshmen and underclassmen, and it's just a question of can they be great this year with the pitching staff they have. Right. I think they can, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if – so this season comes down to a fork in the road, I feel like. They're going to get probably halfway through the season, and it's going to be a question of do the wheels kind of fall off offensively and the pitching staff just can't carry them any farther? Right. Or does the lineup kick it into gear and then things start really rolling? And Exactly. I'm, and if you're listening, you're like, well, yeah, those are the two options. Like, <laughs> I'm talking, like, drastically. Like, this team yep. isn't going to be a 500 team. This team's either going to be highly above 500 and competing for the CAA, I think, or they're going to be a bottom dweller. Yeah, I can see it where if they struggle offensively, they sort of sort – of simmer down and, and fall down the standings. I do think they'll be okay against some of these bad teams where I think they'll be able to beat up on a few of the bottom feeders yeah. and keep themselves in the middle of the pack. But you're right. If the lineup really stalls out, it's probably going to turn into another battle to qualify for this day tournament yeah. rather than like, a, oh, wow, they're you know in second or third place. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to. But it would – I mean, at the very least, you – JMU's got to, you know, qualify in the top six seeds to be able to play at home in the CAA tournament. You, I mean, that's got to at least be a, you know, a minor goal of theirs. Yeah. We'll see if it actually happens. <laughs> and now we can talk a little WNIT, JMU oh. women's basketball's really, really, really early exit in the CAA tournament. Historically early. Yes, historically early. Losing to Hofstra, who then got murdered by Towson in the CAA semifinals. Injury luck was horrible. So Kamaya Smalls, I think she might have played like a minute in yep. that game. Lexi Barrier so. played two. It was one of them played one, one of them played two. Lexi Barrier almost immediately hurt her right hand and wrist, I believe, which is sort of the similar injury for Kamaya. They ended up losing 57-50 to 50 to Hofstra. They're left out of the NCAA tournament. They released that bracket, and JMU <laughs> was the second team left out. So they were just two spots away from making it, which makes that hurt even more. What are your thoughts on the weird, weird, weird end of the CAA tournament? Well, first I'd like to say the funniness of, NC- of ESPN leaking. They really butchered that. That how did they do that? That was just crazy. So it's like a little bit of the, like I just don't get how who like who tweeted that and was like that's the right one or wasn't it like through I don't they put it it was on they put it on TV accidentally I don't remember what the show was but they accidentally put the women's bracket up and somebody was watching it was like oh my god 
and they took all, they took all these photos of it, and then they just drew it out because they pieced all the regions together, and they're like, "Here's the bracket," and then it got released, and they're like, still trying to hype out their selection show, which they made way earlier. They're like, "Don't worry, our selection show is still coming out." And everyone's like, "We already have the bracket, but thanks for your help." But the CAA early exit loss, bad injury luck. But as I've had my initial reaction after that game was. Darn it, that loss was because of injuries and injuries alone. Yeah. But now if I ha- as I've had more time to kind of let the loss simmer and I've looked at some things, we should – Jane, you still should have beaten Hofstra. Like, 100%. no way around that. You had the game. You had a scoreless streak in the third quarter where you Ooh. were outscored 17-0. to zero. Like, there's just so many things. And I think the biggest thing of them all is Jackie going – Five for 27 from the field. Yeah, that's not good at all. I mean, it was just so rough because I think they were up 26-16 at halftime. They were, yeah. Yep. They're up 10. They're playing great D. They give up 41 second-half points and end up losing. And I know they're missing you know, their two best players, and Madison Green was out. But, man, I mean, that's a bad loss regardless of, of who's available. And – I, I personally, I, what it came down to with them getting out, not being in the NCAA tournament, not getting in at large. I think though, I think we talked about it even last podcast. I said, for this team to get an at large, they have to lose in a close game against Drexel in right. the championship game. And I think that kind of just went to show because Shane Metlin of the DNR tweeted that the committee didn't even look at the Hofstra game. Apparently, yeah, no, apparently, yeah. The commissioner of the CA um, had, I guess, he called the committee or something, and I talked to them, and they. That works. I don't. (laughs) It seemed kind of weird. I didn't really understand. Maybe we'll get a story on that in coming days. But I was a little confused. But whatever it was, it appeared from that tweet that that the committee didn't look at the Hofstra loss, um, which is interesting. I don't know, you know, how factual it is that they would just completely ignore ignore it. Bat, the worst loss on I think that Hofstra loss may be worse than the Hampton loss but yeah and I think that overall there was there was a lot of a lot of people who were sort of upset about Jamie not getting in I, I do understand some fans getting upset about that but if you look at the overall resume and they this is another an, another time where we can point to the CA not giving them any opportunities they didn't yep. have a good win they had 17 yep. conference wins and none of them are really good because the conference isn't good no, I was I forgot who I was talking to but I, just, I was like, yeah, they were 17 and one in conference, but give me the teams they played that had good RPIs. I was like, Drexel had an okay RPI. Yeah. Northeastern had a slightly below okay RPI. <laughs> the rest of them had terrible RPIs. So you shouldn't have lost any of those. And then you lost to Wake Forest in non conference, yep. who was a, let's face it, bad team. You lost to Hampton yep. in non conference, which, let's face it, is a terrible team. Like, yep. if you win those two games, I think you're in this as an at-large bid, no question about it. You, yeah. have, a, you have a Power 5 win. You have a Hampton win that you should have won. And I, Coach O tweeted it, and he said it, it stings, but we got to focus more on the regular season. And I think yeah. he had the perfect response to it because if you win those two games, you're an at-large. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, they've got to basically get closer to running the table, and I think he sort of understands that. And, again, I think the crazy thing, looking at JMU and where it stands in the CAA, they won 17 conference games. 
and they lost just one to UNCW. And I think that one loss, which I think is considered a bad loss to UNCW, yeah. hurts more than the 17 wins help. <laughs> yeah, like with softball, if they lose one yeah. of those series, it, it's going to drag them out of the top 25. For right. women's basketball, they have to go undefeated in the CAA because, <laughs> right. I mean, it's the same thing when you look at men's hoops with Gonzaga. Like, I mean, I'm still I'm surprised Gonzaga got the one seed because they, they lost did. to Mount St. Mary's in the uh, right Mount St. Mary's. Just St. Mary's, no matter. My, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> but they lost to St. Mary's in the uh, championship game of their conference, and like, yeah, they still got a one seed, which I'm kind of surprised about. But it, I think it just comes down to not necessarily the CAA. I mean, it does hurt that the CAA doesn't field any good teams, but also the fact that mid-major discrepancy yep. in talent is just so vast that the best team in the CAA, just to use the example for mid-majors, is JMU and women's basketball, and the worst team is planets away. Right. Right, and that's a really good point. It's just that, like, you look at how hard it is to be a mid-major, a low-major, whatever, and it's it's really tough. And for JMU in all these situations, there are so many times where they have Lacrosse sort of gets away with it because most of their season is non-conference. Yeah. So they sort of get away with it. But you look at like softball and women's basketball, they really struggle going up against that level of competition because they're winning so much, but it's their head and shoulders above. It doesn't help them on a national level. So that's, I think that's where some people sort of get the AAC inklings and, and sort of want to go to that conference is because they're thinking, well, you know what, what if we could take that next step because we're already playing at that sort of level and it might elevate them on a national level. So that's sort of the conversation there. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough for JMU because they had a good season. They've got a good team, and the injury luck hurt. And so did just a few really close bad losses. And now it looks like Kamaya and Lexi are both going to be out for the, the WNIT opener Friday at home against NCA&T. I mean, do you think that there's any chance of a run? I know Reagan said there's a chance Kamaya could come back if they do win. I mean, if you look at what their draw is, beat NCA&T, then you play South Florida, who oh, who was there? They had a really good win this season. I think it was UConn. I need to check this. But I mean, their draw this season in the NIT is just difficult. I mean, then after that, they go to potentially – they're either hosting or – they're going to Blacksburg to play Kenny Brooks in that game. And Virginia Tech's a fantastic team this season. I, it's a tough draw for them. I don't see them really right. getting out of it. Yeah, I mean, it looks really hard. And, and South Florida's a team that's that's really, really solid. You look at the way they play, and they've got some – just looking here, it looks like they got a UCLA win. They've got a win over Oklahoma, a win over Ohio State early in the year. They played George Washington and beat him by 30-plus. I mean, so I think that they could, if they do get out of the first round, I think they'll, unless they get Kamaya and Lexi back and they're playing at a high level and they're reasonably healthy, I think that it's going to be a quick exit probably in the second round. And it just sucks. It's it's so bad for them because, yeah, I mean, this was a team that we were talking about could have be an NCAA win. They could get an NCAA win if with, with their talent. But – Instead right, of right. bad injuries here and there, they they unfortunately won't be be even in the NCAA tournament. 
just crazy how it all turned out. Going into the last game of the year, 16-1 and one in conference, Kamaya's healthy, Lexi's healthy, Madison Green's healthy. And then it just sort of all goes downhill. They obviously beat Delaware, but they have the injury bug and then Hofstra and another injury, Alexi Barrier. And now they're in the WNIT instead of the NCAA tournament. And it's looking like it could be an early exit just because they're not at full strength. So, I mean, that's – it's such a disappointing way for them to end the season. And I guess it puts a little pressure on them next year in their senior year to finally make the NCAA tournament and have a chance to, to compete on the biggest stage. Yeah, I, I was going to have a point. Oh, and all those injuries came in a meaningless game. Right. That's, I think <laughs> right. that's the part that hurt me the most when I was – watching it in the CA tournament and seeing these injuries. Well, Lexi's came in the tournament, but Kamaya and right, right. Madison in getting injured in that Delaware game, that literally meant nothing. Right. You could have sat everybody out and then just gone into the tournament expecting to win. People ask, why do coaches and teams rest their players before the playoffs? Right. Uh, hurts. And that's an, that's an interesting strategy next year, too, that they might consider depending on if and when they win the CAA and how their at-large resume stands. I think the reason going into Delaware is if you win that and maybe you get to the CAA final, you still might be able to get that at-large. But next year, if they have a couple more non-conference losses, would they consider resting players and sort of just saying, you know what, it's all or nothing in the CAA tournament? I don't know that they will, but I guess something to watch. I think it also comes down to how their non-conference slate goes. Like if they have another run like this year, I I think you kind of knew this year going into conference play, coming out of that non-conference with a loss to Wake and a loss to Hampton, you kind of were like, Mm -hmm. and Maryland, even though it was a good loss to Maryland. I think you're kind of going to conference play thinking, there goes our chance at an at-large. The only way we get in is the automatic. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just – kind of crazy all around but we'll see how that goes friday night at home wnit action. third straight year of wnit action should be interesting and on an unrelated note mike trout got 430 million dollars <laughs> today on a 12-year deal you know i need to learn how to play baseball is it too late for me to pick it up i feel like uh i don't know we should just do it and we'll be like a we can be like a pair of relievers or something so this this kind of negates mine. I mean, maybe not. I use. I was. I'm. A, I'm a proponent that Kyler Murray going to the NFL is the right choice. But seeing that contract, I really don't know, man. I don't know. I would be scared about my head breaking, but I'm also not good at football, so I'll never have to make that choice. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, baseball. I th- at least personally, I think it's less exciting. Oh, I don't think. But I mean, personal. Twelve years, four hundred thirty million dollars. I don't care if it's exciting. I want to be Mike Trout. And the. F- <laughs> It, those are the words I have to describe. That's so much money. But like, just don't get me wrong. And I was like, Whoa. he's so deserving. I mean, arguably, and we might get comments on this. We might finally get a comment on one of our podcasts. Oh, he's the best baseball player to ever step foot on a diamond. Oh wow, you're giving him some high praise. I, like, but the thing about baseball too, I think this contract's stupid <laughs> because <laughs> baseball's. I tweeted it earlier today. Baseball is the most non-star-driven league ever. Like, yes. I was talking with some people about it today. I go to see Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, the star of the team. You know what I'm going to see from them? The potential to see them go 0 for 4 at the plate 
and not have a ball hit to them. Like, exactly. I, I don't care. Like, you don't need to have the best all. I mean, look, the Angels haven't no. made the playoffs in a couple of years. Like, give me an all-around good team where I'm paying a total salary of $420 million. Right. I mean, it's crazy. It puts, it puts people in the seats, but sort of in a misguided way. Because you're right. I mean, if you're playing basketball, like LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands yeah. all the time unless they're – unless they're going into their tank right now where he has a sore groin oh, every night. And, and but, uh, who? Brandon Ingram's going against he's muscle verbalosis. He's, he's got something. T- he can't be traded now. He's got, like, blood clot issues, and then you got Lonzo's hurt. They've re- That's really a dumpster fire. But, <laughs> but anyway, at least they touch the ball a lot. You know what I mean? But, like, in baseball, he's going to come up once every nine batters. And he's going to do his thing. And you're right, he might go 0 for 4. And then he might not get any balls hit to him, or he'll catch like a routine fly ball that anyone could catch. And it's, I mean, get season tickets, I guess, if you want to see something, because there's a pretty good chance you go some nights where you don't see anything, which won't happen in like you know football. If you're going to watch Tom Brady, he's gonna have he's gonna throw hands. for a hundred yards at least, um, a touchdown, maybe a pick. Let's keep it interesting. Who knows? Like. It's yeah. just wild to me. At the very least. To spend $420 million on a guy for the next 12 years. 12 years is a really And also time. handcuff themselves from getting any other Im- big-time impact player. But that's just me. 12? I'm not a GM. Do I believe that the money ball approach works? Yes. Do I believe analytics are and baseball should be a thing? 110%. You should only make your decisions based on analytics and baseball. But – I'm in the minority, I think, in that. Twelve years ago, I was eleven. I don't think I knew Jamie existed. <laughs> That's how long twelve years is. That's such a long contract. Like I don't understand how the baseball players are getting like, yeah, we'll just keep you until you're forty. Yeah, like, and they're like mid twenty. Like what? He's gonna uh, like so much changes in twelve years. That's two. Pre- you could go through an entire president who gets reelected. And then go into the <laughs> next president's term and finish his yeah. first term. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the four, you could have three four year terms. You could have three different guys over that span or girls, depending on who's elected. <laughs> but I mean, just, just crazy regardless. I mean, it's just really insane. I didn't, I didn't look into how much of it is like, I don't know, fully. The guaranteed stuff or how. Is it fully guaranteed? Is that how that's baseball what I, is? Because uh, J.J. Watt tweeted a picture <laughs> of him and uh, Mike Trout. He was like, we look the, the same. Hey, uh, Angels, you want to give me $420 million fully guaranteed? Yeah, I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. And then I saw some people, there were lots of jokes out there. There's some people talking about, like, the tax in California. Darren Rebell, who always is like, well, the taxes, the state income taxes in California. Okay, he's making $430 million. I don't think the state income taxes. I don't think it's been like, oh, my precious dollars. Well, like, he's fine. It's, uh, this, is a, this is a tangent on our tangent. But I love it yeah. when people like Darren Rebell or, like, other talking heads are like, well, I don't think he's going to sign with the Oakland Raiders because the tax code there is just <laughs> astronomical compared to that of the Seattle Seahawks. And it's like, no, I don't think Homie cares about the tax bracket. I think Homie cares about what it is. <laughs> like, I feel like once I you're know. making 20 mil a year in football or baseball, I don't think you're like, hmm, what's the tax code in this state? Uh, I think I'm going to go with the uh, team B that's offering me less money, but uh, they don't have the taxes. So that'll do. 
<laughs> he drives me nuts, man. His tweets. I follow him just to get upset. <laughs> like I see all of Darren Ravel's tweets, and I'm like, God, you so. I just get really. I mean, he tweets random bets, which I guess he does now for like the Action Network. But he also tweets just like like today he had one that was interesting. It's just like a giant ice cream sandwich. He's like, the Mets have good food. And it's like, what do you, what is your job <laughs> exactly? This guy has two million followers and he just tweets a bunch of nonsense. But whatever. I wish I could have that job. Jeez. I know I could just be like, here's a giant hamburger. Also, the income tax in California. Here's what he always does. Yeah. Okay. So Mike Trout per at bat based on I guess is per at her bat average like yeah. per season extrapolated by 12 years is more than the median u.s household annual earnings i was well, what are we supposed to do with that like wow 430 million dollars is a lot like oh, we knew it but i guess i guess thanks for the context man he just drives me nuts um i'm just yeah i'm reading him some because he did that when um Harper signed because Harper's. Oh my God, he was doing it like crazy with the Harper stuff. Harper's gonna make forty four grand every time he goes up to bat. God, yeah, though, that's that's wild though. That Mike Trout's making sixty six, almost sixty seven k per <laughs> at bat, and the average that the median U.S. household makes sixty one. That's why I got to get in to baseball. Jeez, jeez. That's the moral of the story. Baseball's the way. Catch us in the batting cages. He, he tweeted about the death of a horse. It's just a photo of a horse. And he's like, father of triple crown winner American Pharaoh has died suddenly. Like, what? Oh, <laughs> well, um, <laughs> give him a follow, people, if you want to get irrationally mad, like while you're scrolling through Twitter at work. Or give us a follow at JMU Sports News. To not yes. get irrationally mad and be up to date on all your JMU Sports News content. Also, go over to www.jmusportsnews.com. You can stay up to yes. date there. Um, head over to our Anchor, which I think is anchor.fm. I think so. Anchor.fm slash, you guessed it, JMU Sports News. Um, leave us comments there. You can go on us, uh, find us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us ratings and comments there so we can get better for you all. If you ever have a suggestion for content, you have a suggestion for podcast stuff we can talk about. If you have an interesting take and you want to possibly be on the con- the, the podcast, I'm not saying we'll let you on, but I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. And if you are – We would definitely consider it. If you're staying with us through 55 minutes of us talking, you might actually get to be on the podcast because that's some dedication. No doubt. We'll stick you right at the end. <laughs> That's for, all, for all our loyal listeners. Yeah. Also, if you like our ad and you want more of them, yes. let us know. We're playing with it. I mean, you guys have given us a dollar already, so. We're going to be rich soon. Big time so... stuff. All I'm saying, yeah. I mean, shoot. We're, We're going to have to do our pers- nice mics for our podcast rather than <laughs> our yeah. headphones. We're going to have to do um, like a per – Per podcast tweet, like Rovell does, we'll have to do like we make (laughs) 0.4 cents per podcast. Well, the median US annual income. So we can do that real quick right now. So our average estimated audience size per podcast is 29. We make a cent a listen on our current ad. So 
We make twenty nine cents a podcast. Wow. Okay. Basically. If we did one million podcasts, <laughs> ten million podcasts. This I'm struggling my math. Whatever it is, if we do ten million podcasts in the next like week, we're gonna be rich. We just need to start doing like every podcast, like a podcast every five minutes. We should, when we're posting them, put up like very like aggressive buzzwords. Oh yeah, March Madness bracket upset alert. <laughs> LeBron, Trump, Lakers, Trump, <laughs> all right, and just get really just more and more aggressive. <laughs> Conspiracy, Google, listen to us. <laughs> And then we'll get a lot of listeners who are, and then we start talking about like Megan's, Megan Good's ERA, and they'll be like, what is going on? <laughs> They're like, yeah, I, I thought I heard about that yesterday on InfoWars. <laughs> That's a good plan. If anybody wants to help us monetize our conspiracy theories, please let us know. Huh. Well, anything else to add on this interesting No, I think I'm good. I think I'm interesting good. Interesting ending. Perfect. Um, yeah. Hey, the CA mascot piece is still up, and uh, go give that. Oh yes, listen. take a look at that. Those are hilarious. Uh, yes. Okay. So that's at Jamie Sports News. www.jamiesportsnews. Anchor.fm slash Jamie Sports News. For Bennett Conlin, I'm Jack Fitzpatrick, and you all have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. See ya. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.